and welcome back to another episode of the Fueled by Fire podcast. I'm your host, Evan Groover, and today I want to talk a little bit about uh, an idea or a concept that I've seen a lot of in Western, especially in Western Christianity, uh, but something that's really permeated the church, and that's this this idea or this mentality of consumer Christianity. Now, you might be sitting there saying, Evan, I've never heard that term before. I really have no idea what that means. So let me lay it out for you real quick. And so consumer Christianity is this idea that um, churches and Christianity itself is a consumer product. So picture this. You know, you go to the store and you're looking for a new TV, right? You can go to Walmart. You can see their wall of TVs. Everyone, eh, they look pretty similar, but maybe the, the color is better on one. The sound's better on another. And then you, of course, have the different brands, right? They market themselves as, as XYZ TV with XYZ feature and all of these different things that kind of set them apart. For, for you, the consumer, that would make you want to purchase one. And, and so, right, we, we tend to be drawn to things that have great packaging, brand names that we've heard of before, you know, uh, things that we've owned in the past, you know, all of these different things. Marketing is huge in the consumer market. And, and I've noticed, especially in recent years, that that's really started to permeate the church and affect church attendance and a lot of theology and doctrine. So, you know, we've really started as a Christian society to allow consumer our consumeristic mentality to start permeating the church, both in how we decide where we want to attend, but also in how our churches are actually run. And so, you know, it really is that twofold thing, right? The churches themselves are promoting it by the things that they're displaying, the ways that they're marketing, the different things that they're prioritizing within their own body. But at the same time, you know, we Christians have really pushed the churches to go that direction because we are fickle. You know, we want certain things. We believe certain things. And so we're, we're consuming. We are making our attendance choices based solely on those things. And, and I honestly, that's not something I'm surprised about, especially with how secular our world's gotten or is, is tending towards, you know, and second Timothy four, three, you know, a, a scripture in the Bible that, you know, we talk about from time to time. If you're not familiar with it, uh, again, I read out of the English standard version or the ESV, but second Timothy four, three says for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And and I, and I think that was a really uh, strong foreshadowing of the Internet age, you know, because people these days rely on Internet preachers, um, people, YouTube, Facebook, all of those different things, you know, to get to get their church. And so we get this idea or this mentality that if my local church isn't like what I'm seeing online, you know, it must not be good. Um, and we'll talk about healthy churches uh, in a different episode. But, you know, we get this idea that if, oh, hey, if, if my preacher doesn't sound or look like Stephen Furtick, then he's obviously not a strong pastor or someone that I want to follow. You know, and, and so we get into the church, you know, or we're, or we're, you know, maybe we move to a new community or we're looking around in our area, you know, and we start to choose these churches, you know, based on a, a variety of, of factors. And I think, it becomes easy to want to go to churches that kind of make Christianity easy. And I, and I use that term loosely uh, because I look at it more of a lack of accountability. You know, Christianity, I don't believe, is meant to be hard. 
right? It's coming to, to faith in Jesus Christ and building a relationship like we would with any other human. You know, we, we would spend time with him. We read the Bible. We show up to church. We do all of these things. It's not meant to be hard. You know, I feel like God makes it pretty easy, you know, to rely on him because he is all powerful. But, but there's very little accountability in our churches these days. You know, we, we let whatever doctrine, you know, or whatever people want to believe about the Bible to just go. Um, we don't rebuke because we don't want to be looked at as judgmental, you know, uh, and, and I think that's really hurt us. So these churches get huge. And the accountability in the church is going to drop even more due to just the sheer number of people that are in attendance on a Sunday morning. You know, if you're in a church of a thousand people, it becomes very difficult for the leadership to keep track of every single person and, and their attendance on a Sunday or what they're doing outside of the church the way, the way that you could in a church of a hundred, where maybe you are your, your pastor's Facebook friend or you see each other, you know, in the store and you recognize each other because, you know, hey, we spend a lot of time around each other. We've built that relationship so then I can kind of see what's going on you know, in your life, and I can speak into your life and all of these things. So these churches get so big, we, we, we destroy the accountability factor in the church, you know, and then, you know, and then these churches become very popular. You know, we see a lot of different people going to these places, people that, you know, we want to be like, community leaders, popular people, you know, in our, in our local towns and our areas, you know, and unfortunately, you know, people get hyped up, right? They, they, you know, you're a pastor of a church that's growing exponentially. You want to keep that going. You want to be hip. You want to be whatever. And that's not to say that, you know, big churches are bad or small churches are bad or whatever, you know, but, but we, we get into this mindset that we have to please the people. You know, we have to create a worship environment that is, that is void of the spirit, but solely about the emotion that we can create in a moment. You know, I know some churches love hymns, some churches love modern music, and neither I think is right or wrong, as long as the songs that we're singing and the, and the heart that we bring to worship is biblical, you know, and, and sound, and we're not, you know, singing things to the Lord that's not accurate. But, you know, it becomes very easy to lead people astray or to create doctrine and theology that, you know, in reality isn't, isn't strong. You know, it's not biblical. And, and I think there's a couple good examples. You know, the first that comes to my mind is this idea of the prosperity gospel or the faith healer movement, you know, and, and this idea that God wants us to be prosperous and he never wants us to, you know, experience discomfort in our faith and that he's going to give us, you know, Rolls Royces and he's going to heal every wound and every, every, you know, bodily problem or mental problem that we have in our lives because we follow him, you know, and I just don't find that to be accurate. You know, I don't find that to be biblically sound. You know, where where in the Bible do we see the disciples having it easy? You know, I think immediately of Paul and all the letters that he wrote from jail. You know, it, as someone who followed Jesus in the flesh, you don't think that, that Jesus as part of the triune God would have wanted his ministry to be successful? No. You know, ultimately he sets an example. You know, he talks about, you know, learning to be content in every situation. You know, whether he's, you know, in sickness or in health, whether it's, you know, uh, poverty, you know, whether it's in wealth, you know, he's, he's content, he's learned. And if it means, you know, if we're to be content, that means we're going to see situations that aren't always ones that we find favorable, ones that we're going to enjoy. You know, I think if you want an actual, you know, another actual reference for, for scripture, you can look at Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So basically, you know, that's verse three. He's saying, you know, we're going to suffer, but suffer produces things in us. So in verse four, and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what he's saying there is that, you know, suffering creates things in us. 
You know, I think about a, I think about a weightlifter or a bodybuilder, right? They work so hard in the gym, they put their body under stress because the body responds to stress and it gets stronger, right? So as we suffer, as we, as we face things in life that are, that are not fun, you know, it could be an illness, it could be a situation in ho- at home, could be something employment related, you know, we build our faith. It builds our, our faith character, so to speak, and who we are as Christians. And it creates a testimony that we can then witness to other people. You know, it's important that we go through these things. And it's not always fun. You know, I think of Job, right? God ordained and allowed Satan to afflict Job with illness. You know, I think there's a biblical standard that, it, that you know, you're going to get sick. You're going to have issues. You know, it's just the reality. So I think, you know, you know, and there hasn't been enough accountability, right? We get people who are very popular and when they're popular, you know, we get afraid to, to call them out because we don't want to look like the bad guy. We don't want to look like the person that is the, the, the buzzkill, but you know, we've done a poor job of holding people accountable. Another idea I think of is this hyper grace movement that we see in the church, right? And if you don't know what that is already, it's the idea that, you know, we can live a life however we choose, doing whatever we want, sinning um, regularly, frequently, you know, but ultimately God's grace covers that and it covers everything regardless of what we do and that there's really no need, you know, or at least no motivation to live differently than we did before Christ because, well, you know, his grace abounds uh, more and more. It's new every morning. And so, you know, I, I look at a play, uh, something like Second Corinthians 5.17 that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, when we accept Christ, we're supposed to undergo a transformation, a renewing of our mind. It's a new beginning for us. You know, we, we shouldn't want those, the old ways, the old man, right? We're supposed to put off the old man and put on the new. You know, and I think that we've just allowed things to happen because, again, big churches, it's hard to hold people accountable. Internet churches, it's hold to people, hard to hold people accountable. You know, we just allow things to happen. We don't, we don't speak out against it. And then us as consumers, so to speak, have this self-entitled, self-righteous motivation to just believe what we want to believe about the Bible instead of really taking the time to dive in and understand what it is that the Bible's really saying. You know, you can look at Romans 6, 1 to 3. What shall we say? then, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You know, we're not supposed to continue living, right? It says it right here. You know, I think the Romans makes it very clear. You know, we're not to continue living in sin just so that God's grace can abound. You know, we've been called to change. And, you know, and there's a lot of churches out there who don't preach that gospel, you know, or who, who at least aren't holding people accountable. They're letting their people run rampant doing whatever they want. You know, and, and, they, and this idea of nominal Christianity, which we'll, we'll also talk about that down the road, is that, you know, people can live however they want. And, you know, and, it, and I think about that idea of, you know, you can spend all your time in a garage, but that doesn't make you a car. Well, you can spend every Sunday in church, but that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. Now, you might sit here and say, well, that sounds judgy, Evan. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm called to hold people accountable, to rebuke my brothers and sisters. You know, and, and I think that it's that it's prudent that we take the time to do that, because ultimately souls are what's on the line here. You know, it's not it's not about a feel good moment in the flesh, guys. You know, we are we are called to make disciples and disciples walk closely with Christ. You know, and, and there was a lot of people who who watched Jesus, who listened to Jesus, but they weren't disciples. 
They didn't live like Jesus. They didn't live with Jesus. You know, we're called to be those disciples. You know, so we have to get past this fickleness of people, you know, and, and, and stop, you know, encouraging this idea that we just jump wherever we are. You know, and, and the frustrating part about all of this is that, it, you know, it's hard to, you know, speak into the life of people on an individual level unless we build those relationships. But, you know, as consumers, people... You know, they're going to bounce around. And I've seen it, you know, in my own church and other churches, you know, people want to bounce around. They're, they're, con- again, they're consumers. You know, we have this idea, this, this, this self-righteous, this self-entitlement, you know, that when something changes at the church, you know, the worship style changes or a particular ministry changes or we bring on a new leader, a new pastor, you know, and things are different than they were, you know, people want to just run. Well, I, I'm not going to adapt. I don't like the way the worship leader leads music. I don't like the style. You know, whatever. We we just cut and run. It no longer becomes about the gospel or the or the strong biblical teaching in the church, but it becomes about all the extras. You know, if you only go to a church because of the worship team, but then something changes in the worship team, what's keeping you there? You know, what's the draw then? If the worship style changes, what if you go to a church just because of the pastor? What happens when the pastor leaves? You know, nobody's grounded in the word and what's happening in the relationships they're building in the church. It's all about the extra stuff. It's no longer about God. You know, we, we got to stop that. You know, what if, what if the pastor's not as exciting? You know, maybe he's having a rough week. What if he's having a rough, a rough month? You know, he says something that you find offensive or that you, you know, in reality are being, you know, convicted by the Holy Spirit. But, you know, people never want to believe that they're in the wrong. People never want to believe that they're living, you know, contrary to what the word calls them. And so when they when they feel that conviction by the Holy Spirit, they just blame it on the individual who spoke it and say, oh, it's judgment. Oh, it, oh it's them judging me. But in reality, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, pricking, pricking their soul, pricking their spirit to feel convicted about the thing that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. But they blame the pastor. So they leave. And they go find a church where the, where the pastor is not going to do that. Or they get to this other church. They stay there for six months. The pastor, something happens at that church with the pastor. And then they leave again. You know, it's all about finding something that will tickle their ears and not about something that will, you know, feed their soul. You know, and that list can really go on and on. People start to treat churches like their cell phone. You know, the church starts to slow down in their mind. It's, it's, not, as, it's not as pretty. The camera's not nice or whatever. And so they leave. Something gets boring. Something gets old. They, they, you know, and, and really the problem is inside of us, not necessarily the church. And yet we just leave. We run. Because, you know, we've become consumers, consumers of church, consumers of, of the Bible, you know, and, and when things don't go our way, when things don't fit that thing that we were looking for, when we see some new trend and we want to be hip, we just leave. And we go to that new place, that new church that opened down the road where, where, where they got the fog machine and, and the crazy guitar solos and worship or where the pastor sounds like, you know, Stephen Furtick or John Piper or someone that we, you know, really like online or whatever. You know, we, we, we get to this idea that we got to be at the new hip place or that we're old school or that we're not with it. And, and you know, we got to stop. We got to stop treating churches like product and really start to treat them like a family. You know, when, when we cut and run, when we leave, when we make these decisions, you know, we're, we're hurting real people, you know, that and that can cause division. You know, it, it's easy when somebody, you know, is unhappy with the pastor for them to start, you know, speaking lies or, or gossiping behind the pastor's back and building, you know, a team of people who are unhappy with the pastor, therefore causing problems for the pastor and causing divisions in the church. You know, and that just has to stop, honestly. You know, we, we have to hold each other more accountable as Christians. We have to be willing to rebuke in love. You know, lovingly, um, you know, love comes in a lot of different forms. You know, I think of parental love, right? Uh, you know, I rebuke my son or I stop my son from hurting himself. And sometimes, you know, to him, it's not going to look pretty. It's not going to look loving. But, you know, I know more 
about what he's about to do or experiencing than he does, just like God knows more about what we're doing or what we're experiencing. You know, so sometimes we have to rebuke each other, you know, for our, our for each other's eternal souls. You know, so so I'm just challenging you, you know, and, I, and I'm still working through all of this. I don't have it all together. You know, I have my moments where I get frustrated with things at church. And, I, you know, there was a period of time where I wanted to leave the church that I was in just because I didn't like the way things were going. And, and God convicted me of that. And he, he renewed my mind and, and gave me new new vision for my role in the church and what I'm supposed to do and how, uh, you know, the church acts and, and, and works as a family. And you know, I think we just really have to pray about that. You know, if you're in that place or if you found yourself being attracted to a church for the wrong reasons, you know, pray about it. Say, Lord, you know, what do you want from me? Is this the place I'm supposed to be? You know, am I supposed to go elsewhere? If if you are at a church and that was the reason that you came, you know, how can you deepen your relationship in the church? How can you get involved in your life groups, your small groups? How can you serve? How can you give back? How can you really become a, a body, you know, or a member of the body who is life-giving and life-bringing? So, so that's what I got today, guys. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit next time about, about the church's responsibility in all of this and how we can kind of fight or encourage our members um, to look at things at a deeper level than just that marketing or that product placement. But um, thanks for tuning in this week, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Mm-hmm.